Let us pray before we look again at God's word. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word and we pray that as we look now at meaning and wealth, that you would help us to understand again where meaning isn't. And we ask this so that we might not live our lives in a futile pursuit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thursday, the 24th of October, 1929, is now commonly known as Black Thursday. It was followed by Black Monday and then, in time, Black Tuesday. And together they make up the Wall Street crash of 1929. Uh, the actual market didn't stop falling at that point, it just didn't fall as fast, and it kept falling until 1932. That's a long time for, the, for a bear market. And by then, in, by 1932, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had lost 89% of its pre-crash value. That is, they had 11% left. Many people had borrowed to own the shares that were now next to worthless. And many of those people became bankrupt. Others lost, lost their entire life savings. Some businesses closed because they were unable to pay back their debts. Unemployment rose and the Great Depression started. It was a terrible thing for many people to live through. The wealth that had seemed so secure on Wednesday, the 23rd of October, simply disappeared. The young could start again if they could find work. But many who were older lost their entire life's savings. That they had spent their entire life building up and it was gone. Wealth is a deceptive thing in which to trust. And when we come to Ecclesiastes 5, we see the writer turn his thoughts to the subject of wealth. You might remember that he's been searching for meaning in life, and to find meaning, he looks for something new that lasts. He is looking for something gained under the sun. And so far, he's been unable to find any meaning in the natural world, in the pursuit of pleasure or injustice. None of them have produced any meaningful activity for humanity. And so he now turns to the creation of wealth. Is there meaning in wealth? Or is there a point to making a profit? Or is it all just meaningless? Well, let's go to Ecclesiastes 5 and find out what he discovered. Look again at verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. The first thing that the writer discovers is that the pursuit of wealth is self-defeating. Why? Because the desire for wealth creates an insatiable thirst. If you seek money in life, you will always be seeking because there's always more to get. 
you can always be more wealthy. You think that a few more thousand here will allow you to buy this and be happy and then you have it? And it's not the case. Or a few more million here and you'll never have to work again. Or a few more billion. And then you'll be one of the serious players on the rich list. If you see the pursuit of wealth as the worthwhile activity to do under the sun, you will always be chasing after more. How much wealth is enough? The only answer can be more wealth, if that's what you desire. Friends, Jesus said that you cannot serve both God and money. You will either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve both at the same time. And this verse tells us who the better master is. For we learn that the person who serves and loves money has an insatiable master. Money will always want you to get more. That's what the master called money wants. And that master will keep you from rest, earning that next dollar. It is much better to choose God as our master. And to top things off, when we do achieve wealth, verse 11 tells us that it's useless. Look at verse 11. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Wealth is useless for two reasons. The first is that as wealth increases, so do the number of people who eat it up. And in ancient times, every treasure would need soldiers to guard it against thieves and enemies. These days we need accountants and auditors and lawyers, which makes the soldiers seem cheap. And in olden days, you would need to have a house with a wall around it. Maybe a moat. And that was a huge expense to build and then maintain. In these days, if you are that wealthy, you need to have the big house. And yes, you may have a big wall around it with razor wire. But you also need a state-of-the-art alarm system. Which has to be, of course, manned. The problem with wealth is that it attracts people like honey attracts bees. They are those who want to steal it and you have to defend it. But there are also distant relatives and other hangers-on that come as well. It attracts people seeking donations to innumerable worthy causes. As wealth increases, so do the number of people who eat it up. Wealth cannot defend itself. And so it takes hard work to keep it. And the other reason why wealth is useless that we read here is that it, after a certain point, you can't actually consume it. The physical needs of humans are fairly simple. Food, clothing, shelter, and a bit extra for entertainment. And as the verse suggests, there's only so much a person can consume. 
as this verse, um, when we watch those ads on TV, the Powerball ones, which tell us that we could spend the rest of our lives. Do you know those ones? Yeah. Well, once you're past a certain level of wealth, it actually becomes pointless. You can only drive one tractor at a time. You can only sleep on one bed at a time. You can only eat at fancy restaurants at mealtimes. Now, once you get beyond a certain level of wealth, there's not much extra to do with that wealth, except perhaps by status. And then the people you impress are the ones who want your money. Wealth is useless because after a certain point, you can't actually consume it. And if we want proof of this, then we could all watch uh, one of those many documentaries on people who are poverty-stricken and yet perfectly happy in the developing world. They have hardly any wealth by Australian standards, and yet, as long as their basic needs are met, they are happy. Happier than us, often. Wealth is useless, for there's only so much that we can consume. It can also do us great harm. Look at verse 12. The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. These two verses tell us that wealth can actually be bad for us. The more wealth we have, the more we worry about it. And there's a clear contrast here between the labourer who has nothing and therefore nothing to worry about and the rich man who stays awake at night either planning to make more money or worrying and fretting about how to defend what he has. The responsibility of wealth becomes a burden. And if he continues to fret about his wealth, he can become like, in verse 13, one who hoards money, a Scrooge-like figure whose life is ruined by the concern he has for his wealth. The labourer works hard, yes, but his sleep is sweet. Whereas wealth can keep you up at night, worrying about it. And verse 14 tells you why. Or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. You see, the other problem with wealth is it's very insecure. It often doesn't come easily, but it certainly goes easily. Some misfortune can take away our wealth in the blink of an eye. It could be a stock market crash or a, a Nigerian finance scam or a bad investment in, investment in a company that goes bust, or it could be war. Wealth is actually a very insecure thing. Even if you invest in land, the most secure form of wealth there is, it can still be taken from you by war or legal trouble. How many people in Europe could foresee in 1938 that they would lose everything in World War II? Friends, we tend to think of wealth as being something that provides us with security. 
But in reality, it's only an illusion of security, for wealth itself is very insecure. At any moment, some or all of it can be taken from us. The Americans wrote, we trust in God on their money. And they were right to do so. For he who trusts in money is often disappointed. Wealth is so insecure, you can never know when you're going to lose your hard-won wealth. But as the next verse tells us, we all lose our wealth one day. Look at verse 15. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction and anger. One day everyone loses whatever wealth they have managed to gain. For death is the robber that takes away all our money. It removes whatever we have managed to gain in our short lives. And it renders all our efforts to find meaning by acquiring wealth meaningless. We go as we came, naked and penniless. Dead men don't tell tales and they don't own anything either. What do all these men have in common? Solomon, Henry Ford, John Fairfax, Kerry Packer. They all used to be wealthy, but now they own nothing, for they are dead. All our attempts to better ourselves are ultimately rendered useless by death. No wonder in verse 17, it describes our frustration and affliction and anger. Because all that work was for nothing. Like the rich fool in Jesus' parable in the other passage we read, who built his barns, one day God will take all our wealth we have laboured so hard to create. Everyone loses all their, their wealth the day they die and their efforts to find meaning in wealth are futile it's just chasing after the wind you can never catch it so what should we do then well the writer has already thought of this in verse 18 he says this is what I observe, have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labour under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. The familiar words of the writer, whenever a search for meaning has failed. 
eat and drink and try to be happy in what you do. Accept your lot and try to enjoy the moment because that's all you can hope for in this meaningless life under the sun. And friends, that is a far better course of action than striving hard to build wealth. For wealth is bad for us, it's useless, and it's insecure. It can disappear in a stock market crash or in any other million number of ways. The pursuit of wealth is meaningless and it will only lead to frustration, affliction and anger. There is no meaning in building wealth. It is a pointless, futile and meaningless activity. Meaning is not to be found in money. Money is a useful servant, but it is a terrible master. So friends, do not spend your lives in the pursuit of wealth. You know that so many in our society, and indeed throughout human history, have to their own hurt. And they have spent their lives chasing after the wind and living in frustration, affliction and anger. Don't choose that. Instead, look to find meaning where it is to be found. And we will come to that when we get to chapter 12. That's the good news. But for now, we know that meaning is not to be found in wealth. And that we ought to steer away from the pursuit of wealth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for these wise words that are so relevant for us. And we pray that as we consider the pursuit of wealth in Australia, in our society, and indeed the world, that we would see it for what it is, a meaningless chasing after the wind. Help us to see through all the ads on TV and see your truth instead. And may we not be people who are constantly building bigger barns, but rather may we be people who are generous with what we have and trusting in you to provide. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we would steer away from all pursuit of wealth, but rather enjoy what you have given us with gratitude and thankfulness. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to trust your Son, Jesus, in every step of our lives, including with our finances. Amen.